0: Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive.
1: Hi, and welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. We're your hosts, Rachel Marshall and Bruce Weiner, and today we are reviewing an Inc.com article titled, Bigger is Not Always Better, Five Reasons Your Business Should Stay Small on Purpose. Now, this is written by Margot Aaron, and now behind the article is a book called Company of One, Why Staying Small is the Next Big Thing for Business by Paul Jarvis, about smaller, sustainable companies and how they create more freedom, flexibility, and enjoyment, and life satisfaction. So, Bruce, we are going to jump into this topic. Um, what are your original thoughts as we came across this article?
0: Well, first of all, I'd like to say that as as of this recording, um, I was actually at two different business conferences back to back and the thing that I've always noticed with business owners is that they read they read a lot mm-hmm. about whatever other people do so i I I do the same thing. So when I came across this article about bigger is not always better, five reasons your business should stay small on purpose, I, I immediately thought, well, yeah, that's kind of nice because I went through this personally. But then, you know, if they're not really saying you, you have to stay small because th- th- there's a little subtitle that says, why hyper-focusing on growth can be destructive approach to business. So I think what they're saying is if you're hyper focused on the growth, that's the part of why you want to stay small. So, so incremental growth is good and you eventually will get bigger, but just hyper focusing on gr- growth is what they're actually saying in the article.
1: Yeah. And I think this is just really interesting. I mean, we were having some discussion even before we started the recording today. And I think, I mean, the first, thought that anyone thinks about when they're in business. I mean, it's just com- this almost commonly accepted thing that I'm in business. Of course, I'm going to grow. I want more clients, more revenue, more activity, more lines of business, that growth is better. And so obviously, the title of this is kind of almost shocking and counter counterintuitive. And so it makes you really think what could be valuable in this? What about this topic do we really need to stand up and pay attention to? And so I think ultimately as we have this discussion, we realize that it's not just about growth and it's not just about staying small, but there's actually a key piece of this that is so critical that we need to focus on in our businesses, not just about growing the top line revenue and having a bigger business for the sake of bigger business. And so we're going to kind of unpack this article. Again, I mentioned behind the article is a book, Company of One. And if you go to the link that we'll have in the show notes, you can actually get uh, the first, I believe, three chapters of the book, which I dug into just because I thought it was so interesting. And so Paul Jarvis really talks about this idea of scaling down rather than scaling up is what for him gave him clarity, freedom from distractions, and connection to why he was working in the first place. And so this article and the book kind of unpack this idea of research and study showing that more isn't always better.
0: Yeah. And the thing about it is is this is also very congruent to what we're trying to teach is if you want a business um, to build a business around your life and happiness, growth Mm -hmm. might be your least viable option. And um, so we're trying to help people grow businesses and lives that life that they actually love. And so um, I do think these points are very, very good as we focus on that.
1: Yeah. So let's um, set the stage a little bit. I mean, we kind of talked about how, Business growth tends to be this commonly accepted thing that you get into business, you get past the startup phase, and the number one objective is to have more clients, more revenue, bigger. And the purpose then of that being, well, then I have more personal income and a bigger lifestyle, and then I can live bigger and have more stuff. But is that really going to set you up for that life and business you love? So it's interesting as I talk, as, um, Paul Jarvis talks in his book, he said, it's assumed that hard work and smart thinking always result in business growth, but the opposite is often true. Not all growth is beneficial and some growth can actually reduce your resilience and your autonomy. And then he says, often growth comes with greater cost, complexity, headaches, time commitment, and endless activity and frustration. And so really what... Actually, I believe that those that last sentence was my own thoughts, but it can. It can come with additional complexity that leads you to end up working more hours, which may actually be incongruent with your life goals of having more time with your family and more freedom and more re- relaxation. It might lead you to be more stressed and spending more time working as opposed to really living a life of enjoyment and that satisfaction yeah.
0: and being fulfilled. As, as listeners know, I'm a big Dan Sullivan fan. And Dan calls this a ceiling of complexity. And he says a lot of people will go through this if they do not focus on it. And a ceiling comple- of complexity, complexity really um, happens when a person tries to grow too fast because they outgrow their processes. And so they can do everything on their own when they're smaller. And they then reap the benefits of the profit, but in order to grow, they can they really need processes or they're going to not be able to duplicate themselves and so what what happens though with processes you need time and energy to develop those processes or you need, or you need people to develop those processes. so what ends up right. happening is all you do is work harder and you you reach this ceiling that you cannot break through as far as revenue goes and so dan Dan says, you know. Um, then if you you're going to just uh, create these unnecessary complexities because you're like well I can't be at this other location, so I'm going to have to do something else to do that but i I don't have the money or the revenue uh, to actually um, to put a person in place to put a process in place, and so you just end up doing the same thing over and over and over and expect different results and we were talking before the show. I actually experienced this in my entrepreneur career when I had an auto auto repair place.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The first the first couple of years, I think I I grew my revenue to about six hundred fifty thousand. And the end of the second year, I was actually fairly profitable—not great profit, but you know somewhere in the in this, uh eight percent range. So you know at least you saw that it was something that you were you were doing nicely. And then I, for some reason, I just thought. Hey, I'm going to get this up to a million dollars next year. Well, it's, that's a nice thing to do because then you think, well, if 8% on a million, if I do a good job of growing it, I can probably grow my, my uh, target uh, profit to 20%. But the problem is, is that when, in order to do that, you have to hire more people with hiring mm-hmm. more people, you, you actually uh, also have more benefits that you have to pay and you also have the problem with people not showing up, replacing people constantly because there's more people to replace. And I did, in fact, reach my goal uh, a little bit over a million dollars and I actually, uh, did not turn a profit. So I worked the entire, oh, wow. yeah, I worked the entire year and, the, and people say, well, how can you not turn, uh, turn a profit? Well, one of the reasons to get that revenue in is I, one of the things I changed was I had to have inventory of parts. Um, actually, at the place, so I didn't have to wait for people to deliver the parts once we needed them. So I built up this huge inventory of parts so we can get people in and out. But when you when you do that, you have a lot of your money just sitting on the shelf. I had to hire more people in the anticipation. But what's what people here's here's the hiring process that I don't think a lot of people understand. In certain skill levels, in 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 certain things in our economy people, we're starting to move towards part-time work and people are taking multiple part-time jobs. But in order to retain people, you have to have a full-time position. Well, going from 650,000 or so to a million, you, in, in certain specialized areas, you don't need full-time people because the, the, sure. the numbers don't work, but you have to hire full-time people because they're not going to hang around if you don't hi- uh, pay them full-time wages. So you're, very, and
1: then that comes with benefits. And so right. that's you're a retention mechanism. Yeah, yeah,
0: you're very inefficient. So your cost per labor unit just skyrockets. So, um, and then recently I had another client who had two stores not too far apart. And she decided, uh, they, these were restaurants. And she decided the same thing. We're just going to grow, grow all the way throughout the metro area and uh, didn't contact us first and talk about the numbers and signed a lease. And within 18 months, she was stressing because they couldn't make their lease payments and um, they couldn't attract enough customers. Well, then she was spending time trying to make that one go and her other two places actually suffered. So it was the growth was was only done for the sake of growth. And there was no strategic um, thinking alongside of it. And and she had two profitable restaurants. So, um you really should focus on profit and the appropriate amount of growth.
1: Yeah, it's just interesting. I think uh, there's so many things that we can unpack here, but a few things I just wanted to mention. I mean, you can't grow linearly. It's just not possible. I mean, if you think about it, if you're spending 100 hours a week, I mean, that's even ridiculous to think about that. 100 hours a week to make, say, $100,000 of income, well, that doesn't then equate that to make six hundred thousand dollars worth of income, I'm just going to work six hundred hours a week. I mean, that's just completely unsustainable way of thinking about life and business growth. And so, and then it's interesting as well that there's just kind of some themes that are coming up from a book called Profit First by Mike McCallowitz, and he is talking about a lot of times businesses get in this vicious cycle of trying to or being required to get more revenue because of their expenses. So as the growth happens, the expenses come up and they pile up and they increase right alongside that revenue. And now you're in this frantic, um, almost like a rat race where you're looking for what's that next client? How can we get the next quick dollar of revenue just to be able to make sure that we're not going under or going backwards in a month. And so it's this cycle of lack of profitability. And so Kind of all of that comes back to this article we're talking about today, Bigger's Not Always Better, and then the book um, Company of One. It's not really just about having a company that really has only one employee in it. It's a model that can be used that focuses on what really matters and what what are those things. It's being sustainable, having meaningful work, and profit. Yes. And I think we can probably agree that we all want meaningful work. We all want to be in that place where we feel like we're in a state of flow, we're doing what we love, that other people love us doing, that really is this thing that we feel fulfilled with. We want that meaningful work. We want it to be sustainable. So we're not frustrated or burning out in two years, we want to have something that is going to be able to continue long term and be able to continue to serve us and our clients. And we do need to have that profit. Because the reason you went in business in the first place, wasn't to have a stressed out life, it was really to be able to have income and profit to be able to have a great lifestyle. And so it's really packing all of those things together to figure out how do we do that and how do we do that well? So it's a, it's a mindset and a mentality, not necessarily that you have to stay small, but how do we focus on the more important things, sustainable, meaningful work and profit rather than just growth for the sake of growth.
0: Mm-hmm. The second point about smaller, lasting, longer and the point here is that if you care about greater sustainability over a long term you would want your business to grow uh slowly it says the, the quicker you grow the less you're able to move fast and break things and uh, um that's a that's a really good point smaller companies are able to pivot to withstand rough economic climates because they can focus their attention exclusively on creating results generating revenue and creating happy customers instead of all the uh, processes that they put in place and people that that they put in place to try to maintain these processes. So this has happened to many corporations over the years as we change the way our economy um, is. The one that I I focus on all the time is Kodak. Uh, Kodak was a huge company in the it was it, it almost had no other competition in the camera world until, uh, it did not pivot quick enough with the digital photography. And then you had people that weren't even, uh, camera people like Apple. Um, now Apple might have a more difficult time to actually pivot, but early in their situation, their, their growth, Apple actually developed the camera that was very good for their phone. And it was digital and, and, um, could compete with a film where people, people didn't have the patience to Actually, take film anymore. So now everything's gone to digital, and Kodak didn't survive. So it's being smaller um has a really good chance. Then that you can pivot when economic times change. Both both uh, hard economic times from uh, a monetary policy, but just when you get some create what Dan Sullivan calls creative destruction with your in your industry. So the digital world of camera cameras. Actually it was a creative destruction to the old uh, thirty five millimeter film canister, so uh, being smaller was was much better for Apple at that time. Of course now they have they have their own problems too so
1: sure, and I think what's interesting I mean, I love Apple and I just love their innovation and their ability to innovate um, but what I also like is this idea of being able to pivot and say, how do we need to do things differently? And it was just interesting because kind of one of the ideas behind all of this is then how can you become more efficient with the work that you're doing? As opposed to just saying, well, let's do more of the same work. How can we be more efficient? Which really comes back to the idea that we talk about. You can increase cash flow in two ways. You can do that by increasing your income or by decreasing expenses. And so if we focus on saying, well, what can we do with our income level and our business level at it as it is right now? How can we reduce expenses to be more efficient, keep more of that money? And so it's interesting. um, Another idea that came from Paul Jarvis, he just said, what if you generated more revenue by finding a way to spend less? What if you responded to the growth in support requests by finding a better way to teach your customers how to use what you sell? So you didn't have to, so they didn't have to ask questions so often, What if you didn't have to work more hours to finish a project, but just more efficiently so you could enjoy more of your life away from work? And so it's that innovation and the efficiency. And I think innovation in or efficiency comes through innovation. You have to think differently about the process and the business that you're running and how it could be done better. And that really comes back to working on your business, not just working in your business. Yeah,
0: I'm often accused of being Dan Sullivan's publicist.
1: Uh, (laughs) Um, that's not a bad thing.
0: Yeah. But he, he says, you know, it's easier to grow 10 times than it is to grow two times because people's mindset of, well, if I grow two times, I just have to make little changes and I just have to work harder. And like, as you mentioned earlier, it's, it's, it's hard to just work harder and, you know, you just have linear growth and it's, you hit a, you hit that ceiling of complexity. But when you have, when you have this vision to grow 10 times, then you know you have to walk away from certain relationships. You actually have to change your processes and your way of thinking completely. So um, having those ways of ideas that actually change, but change for a meaningful way, is is actually the best way way to do growth. So number three, you can be more selective with your customers and and projects. And this is going back to my my growth in the auto uh, repair place. Something in this little paragraph hit me really hard. It says you you can be selective about the type of customers you work with and projects take on because you aren't encumbered by expectations and overhead. Uh And and overhead is the absolute worst. And uh, you know I can well the example of the restaurant. The biggest overhead problem they had was the rental, the new lease payment. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I had overhead, more overhead now because of of parts inventory. I mean, it's just it, overhead absolutely kills you. I worked with another lady here, business consultant in St. Louis, who who actually did the buoyant, so the floating uh, chambers uh, that are supposed to be the relaxation chambers, yeah, uh, salt, yeah. saltwater relation um, uh, chambers. It was called buoyant, and people would come in and pay a fee and. And float in a, in a deprivation, um, chamber. And instead of just buying the, the pods are called, she decided that she was going to build out her new space and spend a half a million dollars on this elaborate build out. Like you're going to some, you know, spa in Fiji. I mean, it was just unbelievable. And instead of just focusing on the service, the service is the pod so
1: mm-hmm. you know
0: she she elaborate, elaborate wood and 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 wallpaper and painting and these elaborate uh desks that you come in and you check into and these lights that are coming down from the ceiling and it's like why are you doing all this you're trying to deprive people of exterior exterior stimulation not increase it that's the whole idea of your
1: service. oh yeah I was going to say it sounds glamorous, but at the same time, if it's at the risk of your profitability, it's going to also be at the risk of your peace of mind.
0: Yeah, it's it's it just increased her her uh, the loan uh, on the SBA loan, and it was just the it was just part of the overhead. So that and then also then you you can grow more like we said to her for the next location. You know, just focus on the service and then as the profit comes, if you want to make the place a little nicer experience, you're free to to shift your focus now because you have the revenue to shift your focus and grow and create something that is appropriate for the particular service. So, um, and then you don't have, like when I was, when I had the increased overhead, you know, you're actually out there pounding the pavement, trying to find more customers You know, and then I took on a like a wholesale customer where they said, we're going to send you, you know, 10 trucks a week to repair, but, you know, we expect to get this rate, a lower rate. So then we're, we're focused on doing those and it was nice for cash flow, but the revenue profit was lower. And, and anytime there was a mistake, you know, you had to try to focus on that client because you didn't want to lose that. So, you felt I like love you that could, you shared yeah, that. You couldn't be, you couldn't select uh, customers, and we were, we felt chained to this particular person just for this revenue, and the revenue was actually not as profitable as our, rev- our other revenues. So, you know, it's interesting girl.
1: because, yeah, I love that you shared that because I think it can, we can get locked into a position where we have to take on any client that will be willing to pay us money. Mm-hmm. If you're in a position where your overhead is so high. That you're saying, well, my goodness, all I need to do, I'm just trying to outrun this overhead problem. And so I'm going to take any money that I can get. And what actually can end up happening is um, there's an example in um, Profit First, Mike M- Mikalowicz's book. And he talks about, well, if you said, well, I'm a roofer. I can do roofing. Well, I can also while while I'm roofing, I can also clean your gutters out. And, and while I'm cleaning your gutters, I can also paint the siding. And I can also install something else over here. Well, you're having to buy new equipment for each new thing that you're taking on. And so you're increasing your cost of operation and spreading yourself really thin. Yes, yeah, sure. You could make money by doing that. You could get more income or more revenue. But is that actually more profit? Is it more income? Is it really more cash flow? And so If you can really focus on the profit, focus on what you love doing, you will ultimately be more sustainable and be able to be more selective and stay focused on the target clients that you want to be working with.
0: Yeah, and and once again, just to reiterate, we're not trying to say you shouldn't grow and you shouldn't expand your services because that's what an entrepreneur is. You just have to do it in in the appropriate way. So number four is enjoy more times with friends and family. And if everybody would actually allow me to do this, they're actually, they're in embedded in this article is, um, the parable about a Mexican fisherman. And, and I love, and that I story. love this. I've, I've heard this before and uh-huh. I'd like to share it with our listeners right now.
1: Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I I think it's
0: powerful. Yeah. The story is very, um, it is it, an inspiration about slowing down and and reassessing what you're doing and get really, and to to understand what you're really trying to do and why you're in business. And, and, you know, we talk about to build a life and business you love. So the parable goes like this. An American uh, investment banker was at a pier of a small coastal Mexican village when a small boat with just one fisherman was docked. Inside the small boat were several large yellowfin tuna. The American complimented the Mexican on the quality of the fish and asked how long it took to catch them. The Mexican replied, only a little while. The American then asked, well, why didn't you stay out longer and catch more fish? The the Mexican said he had had enough to support his family's immediate needs. The American then asked, but what do you do with the rest of your time? The Mexican fisherman said, I sleep late, fish a little, play with my children, take siestas with my wife, Maria, stroll into the village each evening where I sip wine, play guitar with my amigos. I have a full and busy life. The American scoffed. I am a Harvard MBA and could help you. You should spend more time fishing with the proceeds. Buy a bigger boat. With the proceeds from that bigger boat, you should buy several boats. Eventually, you'll have a fleet of fishing boats. Instead of selling your catch to a middleman, you would sell directly to the processor, eventually opening your own cannery. You would control the profit processing and distribution. You would need to leave the small coastal village and move to Mexico City, then L.A., and eventually New York City where you will run your expanding enterprise. The Mexican officer asked. but how long will this take? And the, and the American replied, 15 to 20 years. But what then, asked the Mexican. The American laughed and said, that's the best part. When the time is right, you would announce an IPO and sell your company stock to the public and become very rich, you'll make millions. Millions, said the Mexican, then what? The American said, then you would retire, move to a small coastal village, you would sleep late, fish a little, play with kids, <laughs> take a siesta with your wife, wife, stroll to the village in the evening. You sip wine and play your guitar with your amigos.
1: And, huh. and case in point, yeah. he already has that with the exact business that he has. Why does he need to grow so that he can get it later in 20 years? Yeah.
0: It's like, you know, we have to step back and actually ask ourselves, are we actually building the life we love when all we're focusing on is growth and that's the theme of today's podcast with this particular um with this particular article and once again Rachel and I are not saying that growth is a bad thing we're saying growth for the sake of growth without mm-hmm. having the end goal in mind like this harvard mba did not have the end goal in mind with this mexican fisher fisherman then you're gro- you're not focusing you're growing for just the sake of growing
1: You know, what's interesting about this is that I love the idea. There's a movement kind of, it's probably more towards the millennial generation, but it's that this idea of having experiences instead of just things. And you'll notice that probably some of the younger Um, generation is more willing to not lock in buying a home because they want more flexibility to move around. And you probably, I'm not sure, Bruce, if you're familiar with the Marie Kondo movement, it's a Netflix documentary series. Uh, Right now there's a website. It's really popular right now. A lot of women are decluttering and getting rid of anything in their house and kind of coming back to this minimalism idea and saying, if it doesn't spark joy, get rid of it. And so it's interesting to me that I think there's more of this movement of having less sometimes is more sometimes less ingredients in our food is actually healthier, less items in our house is less clutter, less stress, and more clear mindedness. Sometimes less that we're focusing on in business means we can focus more on the things that actually matter. And so again, it's not just about staying small or just about growing. It's really about saying what is most important and how are you focusing on that. Yeah,
0: and this, and once again, we've been indoctrinated in the, in the United States economy that you know it's all about consumerism, but but what you're talking about is a shift in the in the economy to service-oriented things for experiences, mm-hmm. and so a lot of people say to themselves, you know, well, we can't do that; we'll we'll crush your economy. We got to keep market about buy, buy, buy but no we just would shift to experiences service 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 so it would be
1: oh it's not less money right. it's not less expense that's going out it's just where is right. it going to are you are you spending on an amazing exotic trip somewhere that's going to be a memory for the rest of your life and, and creating a meaning that way? Or are you spending on a bigger boat? I mean, it's, it's not that the spending is necessarily less. It's what you're spending on. It's a value system.
0: So last point, uh, number five, grow revenue without having to also grow the trappings that come with it. Uh, a company one can use existing technology solutions and isn't burdened by cumbersome overhead and expenses. By operating as a lean business, you can ensure your business model works first, instead of accepting infusions of cash to grow your customer base without first determining if your ideas has any real demand, aka profitable. Which is the which You're is right. the exact thing um, you need to be focusing on. Jarvis recommends using MVPs or minimum viable profit is the most important determinant of the sustainability of a com- a company of one. Uh this is in- interesting because <clears throat> I just came back to listen to uh some wholesalers talk about um some alternative investments which we endorse and we we'll always look at these retail investment trusts REITs and how they um actually do a raise of funds to buy to buy um to buy real estate and the point that we always look at is how much are they actually raising? And if they're raising too much too fast, they are under pressure to actually utilize the people's money. So they actually, you, you, it's interesting, you talk to one of them and they go, I don't know what that other company's doing right now. They are actually buying real estate that we were in on. And they're usually like multifamily offices or multifamily uh, apartments. And then the other ones are uh, commercial real estate. And so you'll talk to one company and say, I don't know what the heck they're doing. They're overpaying for this, something crazy. And then you talk to that company and they say, oh, yeah, we got a lot more capital and we got to get that capital and we have to we have to get it out there because our clients are expecting us to not just sit on their their money. They're expecting us to go out and find real estate deals. So mm. they're, they're, um, they're growing. So they're
1: putting it to work at the expense of. Profit. At the expense
0: of profit. Exactly. And it's, and it really hit me this past weekend that, cause I was preparing for this, reading this um, growth revenue without having to also grow the trappings that come with it. That was actually one of the trappings because they had all this extra cash and they were trapped into actually deploying it. Well, you know, we've had other real estate investors on here and they talk about staying in the lane, only only buying real estate when it's at uh, a sustainable level as far as what's what's the rehab cost per door going to be and we're just not going to buy it. Well, these guys are individuals and and they know then we can just, I'm just going to sit on this cash right now and I'm not going to raise more cash until I actually have something to buy. So just... Growing for the sake of growing, you're going to also bring in uh, problems just for the sake of having problems. You're just like, I like problems, so here they come.
1: Yeah, it was interesting that um, as uh, Paul Jarvis talks about in the book Company of One, he says, the point of being a company of one is to become better in ways that don't incur the typical setbacks of growth. You can scale up revenue, enjoyment, raving fans, focus, autonomy, and experiences while resisting the urge to blindly scale up employee payroll expenses and stress levels. So he talks about how this idea then of making sure that sustainability and your meaningful work and profit is really the focus of any company. It's a model that can be used by anyone.
0: Yeah. I, yeah, And, the, and the, the minimal variable profit is actually chapter 10 of his book. So if, if you, if this resonates with you, you could actually buy his book and, and see exactly what he's talking about. And then.
1: Yeah. Which I think is just really interesting because usually people would say MVP is minimum valuable or minimum viable product, mm-hmm. but he's talking about minimum viable profit. What profit do you actually need? And then how do you make sure that you scale from that? Profit? So in
0: closing, I think uh, we just want to make sure everybody understands that you don't have to be anti-growth. We're not, we're not saying you're this. We didn't review this today to say you shouldn't grow. You s- simply need to, know how to figure out when it makes sense to grow and when it doesn't especially for your particular personality remember the uh, mexican fisherman parable so when, whenever you're going forward you need to bring people into your lives that i can actually tell you that this is a good idea or not or at least not tell you but bounce ideas off of does it make sense you think it makes sense a good cpa a good business consultant um you're an investment advisor, an insurance uh, advisors, somebody else instead of just trying to do this on your own, because we don't.
1: Yeah, or even having a mastermind of like-minded like minded yeah, peers that are all doing business, growing together with you.
0: Yeah, we both do that ourselves, um, and it's and it's mm-hmm. amazing. I, I I may have said this on the on the uh, another podcast, but you know, having a a company of one, which he's talking about you do fall into that um, bad situation where you become a rugged individualist. You you feel like you have to do everything. And I always tell business owners, if being a rugged individualist was the best thing, then solitary confinement would not be a punishment. So if you get out there and talk to other people about, even if it's about your problems, you actually get energized because you, you realize that other people have problems and you start to work together to try to solve those problems. The same thing would be growth. You say, okay, I think I should be grow, growing right now. When did you decide you should grow? So talk to other people and, and get that uh, good feelings from them.
1: Absolutely. So as we wrap here, the model can be used to start small, define what your growth really means. And not just make it your top line revenue, but what does growth actually mean for you? And then keep learning and keep pivoting. And I think there's just a couple of ideas that I wanted to share as we close. One is that if we come back to the Dan Sullivan model and the 10x or 10 times
0: growth. growth,
1: yeah, the mind expander idea, you can 10 times your impact in the world, your satisfaction, your meaning and your purpose by focusing on the right things as opposed to just focusing on the top line revenue. So maybe you're focusing on efficiency. Maybe you're looking at keeping clients longer term versus just having transactional relationships. Or maybe you're looking at how do we turn them into repeat buyers so we're not finding a new client each time. Or maybe we can have subscription-based offers that are ongoing and perpetual. Maybe that means 10 times revenue and maybe not for you. But how can you deliver so it doesn't mean 10 times your effort, work, work, People, cost, and stress. That's really what we're talking about. So, what I would encourage you to do as you leave this conversation today is really define not just what does growth mean for you, but what do you really want out of life? What is it that is your value system? What is your lifestyle that you want to create? And how can you build a business around that so that you are able to accomplish that ideal lifestyle so you can live the life that you love and enjoy it today? Because really, it doesn't matter if we grow. A multi billion dollar company, if it's not a business that you actually love, you're not really having that satisfaction and meaning. So, not just a bigger business, but the business and life that you love. So, as you figure out what you actually want out of life, what you want that to look like, how does your business need to look to be able to create that? What is that enough amount for you? And then, how can you start small, define growth, keep learning, focus on sustainability? and focus on profitability. So that is going to be a wrap. And in closing, remember, success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd, and build a life in business that you love. Do you have an established business and make great income, but feel like you can never get ahead or just plain have financial confusion? Get the business owner's three-step roadmap to achieve time and financial freedom without working harder or sacrificing your lifestyle. Go to themoneyadvantage.com slash roadmap to get your roadmap and free training. And when you register, you'll also get access to our ultimate money finder cheat sheet that you can use to recover lost cash flow and save on taxes.
0: Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on moneyadvantage.com